Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Thank you, my friend. I am Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. Brothers and sisters, we're living history once again, and it's going to happen on our watch tonight. The Supreme Court is about to be reshaped for years to come, decades to come, maybe a six to three conservative majority. Trump's nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, just confirmed by the Senate. One Republican didn't vote. The main senator, Susan Collins. However, 5248, obviously the nomination is shoe in. And now the justice will be sworn in at the White House. One month to the day of her nomination gathering that ultimately turned the White House into a cluster. And despite the fact that once again, there is an outbreak of cases within the White House ranks that they intentionally tried to keep you from knowing about. So are they doubling down on dumb by having yet another event like this? Well, they seem to be aware of that mistake. And tonight, masks are required. So maybe there is a learning curve, and in that move, you must ask yourself, if they know enough, and obviously they do, they generate the messaging about masks and the science behind them and social distancing, if they know enough politically to make this time different than the last time, why hasn't the president's messaging changed at any of his rallies? Why is he okay with so many people still not having masks, still not social distancing? Think about that. Tonight, when this happens, at least five members of the vice president's team will have tested positive. Right now, they're positive. And they are a reflection of what's happening in this country. COVID has never been worse than it is tonight. The daily case counts are at their highest levels ever. And this White House has chosen, even if they're doing it differently and better than the last time, and it's fair to say they are, but to have an event at all in the middle of a pandemic, to crowd together once again, because you can see the seating. They're smart not to light it, by the way, but we'll show it to you. What message does it send? The president's chief of staff told us coronavirus will not be controlled. Think about that. They are admitting to you that they don't think they can do anything about coronavirus. Now, that tells you two things at once. First, it explains why they're not doing anything, why there is no wall mentality, why they're not throwing everything at it, putting their arms around it. Trump doesn't think he can win against COVID. So he doesn't want to have the fight. He wants to pretend the fight doesn't exist. Secondly, it shows you what their preference is. They'd rather get the judge done. McConnell would rather get the judge done. And we understand why politically in terms of the historicity, in terms of the impact that'll last decades. So McConnell says no relief bill. It's not going to happen. White House. I'm going to get this done. Think about the preference. I'm not saying one matters and one doesn't. But in terms of the emergency, they could have gotten this judge passed. They think they're going to do fine. Right. They think they're going to keep the Senate. 
But what about your relief? What about all the pain? What about the people in food lines? What about the closed businesses? Think about it. Instead, this was the priority. And tonight, Justice, Justice Clarence Thomas will deliver the constitutional oath of office to soon-to-be Justice Barrett eight days before an election that the Supreme Court could decide if contested. They're still getting ready. Let's get a little scene setter from Caitlin Collins live at the White House. Um, I am correct that masks are required this time. What does it look like? Because they didn't light the seats. Are people closely seated? Are they observing the mask rule? What's the deal, Caitlin? Most people are wearing masks, Chris. It's actually something that we have not seen on the South Lawn in this way before. You think of the Republican convention when there were hundreds of people, over a thousand people out here in chairs that were tightly packed together. And these chairs are actually distanced. You are seeing most people wearing masks, though we've seen a few people not wearing them. And who's here? You know, several Republican senators, members of this administration, allies of this administration, cabinet officials as well who were here on the front row that we just saw come in, people like Elaine Chow. And so you are seeing different measures taken that were taken exactly one month ago today at that event in the Rose Garden when the president was announcing that he was picking Amy Coney Barrett where chairs were not distanced. Of course, that was about 150 people at that event and nobody or very few people were wearing a mask there where you saw Chris Christie, Mike Lee, people like that. Mike Lee is here tonight, a senator, of course, after they just cast their votes for Amy Coney Barrett for this swearing in. So it does look different, but we should note there are still hundreds of people out here on the South Lawn, at least over 200 chairs that we counted earlier, in addition to a band being seated on the other side of the South Lawn from where I'm standing right now. So uh, one question we do still have about attendance is whether or not the vice president, Mike Pence, is going to be here. Oh, here I saw come. his national security advisor, but we have not seen the vice president. And of course, now here comes everyone else for this swearing in. Well, look, the vice president should be quarantining. He's been in close contact with people who have tested positive. Um, there was the question that he would still be campaigning. The optics are terrible. The science is terrible. It's bad practice. So we'll see. We just saw the first lady come out. Uh, obviously, the applause are for her. And the uh, guess is that this will be taking place now shortly thereafter. We didn't get any kind of indication, Caitlin. Oh, let's listen. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of All the right. United States. Accompanied so by as we go through the ceremony, we will take you through it. I just want you to listen to what's going on. And now we have another introduction. Let's see who comes through the door here. Okay. Here is Judge Barrett and the President of the United States and Justice Clarence Thomas, uh, who will do the swearing in. Now, uh, a very unusual occasion that we're having here right now. It's not unusual for the justice to be sworn in at the White House, but with this kind of pageantry, is this just about Trump's flair for the dramatic and reality TV presence, or is this about an overt politicization, the politicizing, making political of this judge position? Because that's the way the president has played it, even though she was duly nominated and, and voted on and will now be sworn in. Let's listen to what's happening. Still applause. Okay, so he's going to make some comments. Let's listen to a couple of a uh, couple of seconds of it. This is a momentous day for America, for the United States Constitution, and for the fair and impartial rule of law. The Constitution is the ultimate defense of American liberty. The faithful application of the law 
is the cornerstone of our republic. That is why, as President, I have no more solemn obligation and no greater honor than to appoint Supreme Court justices. On this October evening, and it is so beautiful, the First Lady and I welcome you to the White House to bear witness to history. In a few moments, we will proudly swear in the newest member of the United States Supreme Court, Justice Amy Coney Barrett. She is one of our nation's most brilliant legal scholars, and she will make an outstanding justice on the highest court in our land. Justice Barrett's oath will be administered by the court's longest-serving member, currently on the bench, a man whose allegiance to the law has earned him the respect and gratitude of all Americans, Justice Clarence Thomas. Our country owes a great debt of thanks to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. We appreciate it very much, Mitch. Thank you. And we are grateful as well to the Senate Judiciary Chairman, Lindsey Graham. Thank you, Lindsey. All right, when the swearing-in happens, uh, we'll come back to it. Let's bring in our panel. We have Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Uh, why? Because we're in the middle of a pandemic and the numbers are worse than ever, and this is what we're watching. Absolutely no attention to the crisis. Dana Bash, David Axelrod. Uh, why? Because we have to talk about uh, the politics at play here and why this was a power move. We also have NPR legal affairs correspondent Nina Totenberg. Uh, nobody understands the history of the Supreme Court uh, better, uh, more thoroughly, certainly in the context of what Barrett will represent on this bench going forward. 6-3 majority conservative could last half a generation if nothing is done by Democrats to change that. Um, now, uh, Dana, on the reporting side, why mm -hmm. this was the right play and to do it this way. We know the words that the president was just reading are not his own. All right. He's tied to the teleprompter because the sentiment is as artificial as the color of his pallor. Um, he is not a constitutionalist. He is not somebody who embraces it, but he does embrace a power move. And that's what this was. What are you being told? It's what you said earlier. He's em embracing power. He's embracing pageantry. And he's doing it because he can. And coronavirus be damned. That's the way that this president has operated for the most part over the past 10 months. It hurt him and his inner circle tremendously to the point that they, many of them got this deadly virus. But he, he, that's not how he operates. You know this, Chris. You've known him for longer than most of us have. He wants to, to, to take this moment and seize it because he understands um, that this is something that plays well uh, for the people that he has visited just today in Pennsylvania and other swing states. Mm. The issue, though, is I will tell you, Chris, before coming on with you, I checked in with the Republican pollsters in the field in battleground states all over the country who said, just politically speaking, not sure how much this is going to help because the base is already really excited about him. It's not a Kavanaugh situation. It's quite different. All right. Well, Axe is nodding his head uh, in agreement, but this is a big deliverable. 
you know, if you got the relief check done, sure, that has more acute um, application to people's lives. But, you know, those checks come and go. This judge is for decades. Yeah, well, you're raising two different points. One is the historical meaning of it. And this is going to be a big part of Trump's legacy. Three Supreme Court justices who have turned the court far to the right. Nina knows far better than I about that. But as a matter of pure politics, I agree with what Dana said. I don't think it's going to have much impact on the election. And frankly, Chris, passing a stimulus might have because 72 percent of Americans support that, a majority of Republicans. And it is on the story that everyone is talking about now. I think the president was welcomed the opportunity to change the subject tonight Mm. because the story is not going well for him. But on the major story, which is this raging pandemic, Uh, this doesn't have any relevance right now. Hmm. Uh, Nina Totenberg, thank you very much for being with us. Um, The legacy for the president, true. The legacy for the court and for the country um, may have much longer roots. What could a Judge Barrett mean uh, to jurisprudence going forward? Well, I think you're about to look at a court that is more conservative than any court has been in 80 or 90 years. Uh, dating back to the 1930s. And what that means is that there's going to be a six to three majority. Uh, That means that even if one of the conservatives flakes off, which they do from time to time, they don't go in lockstep on every issue. But if one of them flakes off, there's still a five justice majority. It also means that Chief Justice Roberts, who is, I think it's fair to say, painfully aware of the danger to the courts uh, if the Supreme Court is viewed as just a partisan institution, if it it means that he no longer has the kind of control he had in the last term when he was the fifth vote and could occasionally modify things somewhat. So on on questions from uh, that range from the right to privacy, and that includes not just abortion, but contraception, uh, questions about a death. You know, what can, what kind of right to privacy do you have in terms of, for example, deciding that you're not going to have any extraordinary measures to keep you alive? Uh, it means uh, in questions of uh, IV fertilization. All of those issues, I think, will be on the table in front of the Supreme Court eventually. Certainly Roe versus Wade, but many others that most people don't think of as somehow connected to Roe versus Wade. In addition, there are questions of presidential power. Can, can, uh, can, can President Trump keep his finances secret? from the Congress, from a, from a grand jury investigation. So far, the answer has been no, but there are more of those cases. The president keeps appealing back to the Supreme Court on, on these very issues. And then there are countless other issues that are part of Americans' everyday lives that they don't think of as liberal or conservative, but may end up very much controlled by a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. Mm. Uh, And now we deal with what we're not discussing. Uh, Sanjay, as you know, you and I work a lot of the same sources. Um, Everybody is baffled that the case explosion has happened this quickly, this early in the season. 
um, despite what a lot of states have been doing, best efforts to keep it down, and absolutely no response from this White House or the broader administration other than the chief of staff saying, we can't control it. Your reaction? Well, you know, when, when they say that uh, we can't control it, that, you know, the sort of waving the white flag, I mean, I, I think it's worse than that, uh, Chris, because it's not even so much surrendering to the virus saying we can't control it. I, I think all along, as, as we've talked about, there has been, even though it's not explicit, there has been this, this sort of uh, this idea that the herd immunity is sort of the strategy to adopt here which is not even saying I surrender. It's like saying, here's the door, I'm opening it. You know, virus, come on in and, 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 and run amok through the country, which is a terrible strategy. I mean, I think most of your viewers know that by now, but that would, could lead to the death of, you know, 1.2 to 1.5 million people. Hospitals would become overrun. And we're not All even right, sure Sanjay, how long the immunity let me lasts. Go, let's go to the swearing in. I'll come back to you. Here we are. History in the making. Supreme Court Justice. The court power structure now goes 6-3 in favor of conservatives, meaning the Chief Justice Roberts, even if he wanted to have an influence, better make a friend, because even if he doesn't vote with conservatives, they still have a 5-4 majority. Uh, huge historic implications. Nina Totenberg was talking about that uh, and what this could mean. Thank you. The justice Thank is now making much. remarks. Thank you all for being here tonight. And thank you, President Trump, for selecting me to serve as an Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. It's a privilege to be asked to serve my country in this office, and I stand here tonight truly honored and humbled. Thanks also to the Senate for giving its consent to my appointment. I am grateful for the confidence you have expressed in me and I pledge to you and to the American people that I will discharge my duties to the very best of my ability. This was a rigorous confirmation process, and I thank all of you, especially Leader McConnell and Chairman Graham, for helping me to navigate it. My heartfelt thanks go to the members of the White House staff and Department of Justice who worked tirelessly to support me through this process. Your stamina is remarkable, and I have been the beneficiary of it. Jesse and I are also so grateful to the many people have supported, who have supported our family over these last several weeks. Through ways both tangible and intangible, 
You have made this day possible. Jesse and I have been truly awestruck by your generosity. I have spent a good amount of time over the last month at the Senate, both in meetings with individual senators and in days of hearings before the Senate Judiciary Committee. The confirmation process has made ever clearer to me one of the fundamental differences between the federal judiciary and the United States Senate. And perhaps the most acute is the role of policy preferences. It is the job of a senator to pursue her policy preferences. In fact, it would be a dereliction of duty for her to put policy goals aside. By contrast, it is the job of a judge to resist her policy preferences. It would be a dereliction of duty for her to give in to them. Federal judges don't stand for election. Thus, they have no basis for claiming that their preferences reflect those of the people. This separation of duty from political preference is what makes the judiciary distinct among the three branches of government. A judge declares independence not only from Congress and the President, but also from the private beliefs that might otherwise move her. The judicial oath captures the essence of the judicial duty. The rule of law must always control. My fellow Americans, even though we judges don't face elections, we still work for you. It is your constitution that establishes the rule of law and the judicial independence that is so central to it. The oath that I have solemnly taken tonight means at its core that I will do my job without any fear or favor and that I will do so independently of both the political branches and of my own preferences. I love the Constitution and the democratic republic that it establishes, and I will devote myself to preserving it. Thank you. Okay, let's bring back the panel. Nina Totenberg, <clears throat> those comments are the correct and perfunctory ones uh, to be made uh, by an arbiter of the Constitution. Uh, what do we know about this judge uh, that gives confidence or lack thereof in her ability to keep policy preferences uh, which all too often seem to conform with the party that puts a judge on the bench uh, from being any different than what we've seen in the past? Well, I guess, you know, there is no Supreme Court justice, no judge who has a completely unified uh, ideology that always results in uncontradictory answers. So you just heard the newest justice talk about how important it is for Congress to make policy choices. Well, Congress made policy choices in the ACA, Obamacare, and she has indicated in her writings that she disapproves of the Supreme Court's analysis of those policy choices and would reach a different conclusion and would strike down at least some aspects of the law. So she's about to in all likelihood, unless she recuses herself, which I highly doubt, 
be the perhaps deciding vote in the case, the latest case that tests Obamacare. It is the third challenge to Obamacare. Right. And even the lawyer who represented the challengers to Obamacare thinks it's a bit of a stretch. Right. Nina, let me ask um, you something quickly uh, before I get to Sanjay, because I'm running out of time here. Do you think uh, Justice Barrett now, Justice Barrett, made a mistake uh, allowing herself to become part of a political spectacle like this? Listen, you know, let's get real here. You don't get an offer to be a Supreme Court justice more than once. And she couldn't very well control the timetable. She conceivably, let's say just for the sake of argument, that there is that there is a big dispute about the election returns and the case ends up in the Supreme Court. I suppose she could recuse herself, but then the court might be evenly divided. And that's mm. not good either. No, so, I mean, I mean this. Uh, she didn't have to be sworn in this way. This is not what we're used to seeing, let alone in the middle of a pandemic. And you don't see the chief justice there either. Right. Uh, what does that mean? Unless, unless I think that means that, A, he doesn't want to be a, at a super spreader event or an event that is quite overtly political. <laughs> mm. And so uh, my assumption is that he will administer the judicial oath at the court, either in public or in private, in the coming day or days. Uh, as has happened in recent past with other nominees to the court. But having said that, I don't think that when the president has just selected you, his White House has fought tooth and nail along with Mitch McConnell to get you confirmed, that realistically you get to say, no, I'm not going to show up for this. Right. I no, mean, I'm just, maybe, it's, it's but just, I don't. Uh, we've just never seen a justice be more of a political player uh, in the pageantry of their confirmation, not confirmation, but the swearing in as we did tonight. Think of uh, one for a second, but I want to go to Sanjay. They've got their justice. It's done. What does this administration need to do tomorrow morning to deal with what's happening in this country? Which again, Sanjay, I know you're hearing it, I'm hearing it. Coast to coast, north to south, east to west, people are worried that they don't have what they need they don't have community buy-in, they don't have capacity, and they don't have funding to do what they need to do to stave off the caseload and hospitalizations even before the flu hits. Right. I, mean, I, think, it, I think it's really important, Chris. And, and the thing is that at some point, I don't know that the, the sort of uh, prophylactic or preventative decisions are really going to be in our hands anymore. And what I mean by that is that you know, you're starting to see situations where hospitals are becoming increasingly overrun. Um, you know, you see this in El Paso. They're looking at a convention center in Wisconsin. They got these field hospitals in Utah. Uh, they, you know, the governor's tweeting out last week, it's not sustainable what's happening here right now. I mean, they, they've got to break this cycle of transmission, um, Chris. And, you know, pe pe the, the virus is spreading too rapidly. And we're going into exponential growth, which means we're going to look at a line in a few days, maybe a week, which is going to look like it's going straight up, kind of like we're seeing in the European Union right now. And it's going to become overwhelming. What do we need to do to your question? I mean, Chris, it's the same strategies that we've been talking about for some time. It's the, the universal wearing of masks. I mean, when we look at but you Arizona, know what they'll say, I just make this point really they'll, quickly. They'll give the answer and then make your point. They'll say, well, Sanjay just said it. It's going straight up in Europe also. It's not us. We're not doing anything wrong. This is what the virus does. Look at Europe. 
and there's plenty of places around the world where that's not the case. So it depends. Are you know are you going to compare yourself to the to the worst places, or are you going to say, hey, aspire to be the best? Mm -hmm. I find it hard to believe that the best we could do in this country was be the worst in the world. I really do. I mean, that aside, uh, we saw what does work in Arizona after they lifted the stay-at-home orders. Um, they got into trouble. They had a 150% increase in cases, and they basically said we're going to do mask mandates. Uh, we're going to to limit large outdoor gatherings, kind of like the one you're just seeing here at the White mm -hmm. House. And we're going to certain businesses like bars in particular, we're not going to open. And what happened within three weeks? A 75% decrease in new cases. It's a hyper local example of, of a strategy that works. And I, and I bring up a U.S. example because everyone always says, well, that's a different country. You can't do that here. It was three basic things. And it made a huge a difference. Governor. So we need to do that. And a Republican governor. And a Republican uh, governor. Yeah, and Dan is right. Now, Dana, um, thank you for that. The idea that you are a week out and your intention as the incumbent is to not discuss that you are at the worst point in the most pressing crisis in a generation. How does that work? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work unless your strategy is what the president's strategy is, which is just to turn out every single possible human being who's eligible to vote, who, who likes hearing that we've turned the corner even though it's not true, who likes hearing the other guy is gonna shut down the government, uh, the, the country again, which is not true. And you know the idea that he's going to change minds right now, nobody believes that in his own party. So he's doubling, tripling down on the way that he governed for four years, which is really going straight at the people who like him and trying to make sure every one of them vote. And it's very much an open question about whether or not that's enough. Hey, Axe, you know, if yeah. you guys had come out in the Obama administration, David, and said, yeah, we didn't want you to know that this guy got sick. And uh, look, we're not going to be able to control this thing that's devouring the country. That's how it is. Uh, you would have been run out of town on a rail uh, by the media, let alone we, we, we by don't anybody have time else. To, we don't have time to discuss all the things that if we had done that they have done. <laughs> but I mean, I'm saying you know, you're a week but, away but, from but, an election. But, and this is their play? Listen, Ignore a pandemic? Let me, just, let me just say that the math does not work. And that's their problem. There aren't enough people who support that. Sure, they turn out to the rallies and there are his supporters who support that. But most Americans, 72% of Americans support requiring masks. Uh, you know, he is on the wrong side of history here. And I guarantee you that every rational Republican who you talk to, who I talk to, who Dana talks to will say, this is not how we wanted to finish this race. This is not what we want to be talking about. But this is what he chooses to talk about. He has spun things for his whole life. And what he's finding is what we've said so many times, you cannot spin a pandemic. And uh, I think he's going to learn that uh, come, come next day. Say again, Nina. Yeah, you can't even spin it to the stock market today either. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The markets are down, which, of course, is his barometer of how things are going in the country. So I think he's, you know, I think the die is cast. This is the way he's going to play his hand. Uh, and I think he's already laying the groundwork for alibying for an excuse, you know, uh, the, the, the vote is fixed, the vote is rigged, right. uh, and so on. Well, look, the stock market is highly reactionary to fear. Uh, and Sanjay, there's a lot of fear to go around right now. Uh, interestingly, I actually think the president is benefiting from collective fatigue here. The numbers of increase across the country are really 
frightening. But people have been afraid for a long time. Sanjay, what kinds of things do you think you're going to hear from around the country in just the next week in terms of case growth pretty much everywhere? Well, I'm pretty focused on hospitals, Chris. I, I think that first of all, I think it's the truest is hospitalization rates, because I think it's a true measure of just how significant this is. I mean, we are seeing a diff. The numbers are going up. But as you say, people are sort of inured to that a bit. They, you know, what, what, what is what is 86,000 people becoming infected versus 60,000? You know, it, these are all crazy numbers. I mean, the same number of people were infected in the White House arguably the most secure house in the country, as we're infected in the entire country of New Zealand over the last 24 hours. So just to give you an idea of, of how significant that is, the numbers. But you're right. I don't know that people pay attention to it. They will pay attention to hospitals because when you get into a situation, which I hope we don't get into, we saw some of this in New York early on, uh, where you know there may just not be enough hospital beds. I mean, you're calling because your loved one's having a hard time breathing and you're saying, we need to go to a hospital. And they're like, there's not one in the region. We're gonna have to like take you outside the region to get you a hospital bed. That's going to really, uh, I think that's gonna be very alarming as it should be to people. Uh, we, we can still avoid that situation, but as we just mentioned, it's already happening in some cities across the country. So the hospital numbers, I think, um, are, are going to force the issue a bit. I mean, you're gonna have hospital directors who are calling their local leaders saying, hey, we're in trouble here. Uh, we're talking about not enough beds, not enough personnel, not enough of the basic resources. We don't know that we can take basic care of the citizens if they start to get sick from this disease. Again, most people won't get sick, but if the numbers are as large as they are, Chris, uh, the, then the absolute number of people who get sick is going to obviously increase as well. Sanjay, thank you very much. Dana Bash, David Axelrod, and Nina Totenberg. We are living history. We have never seen anything play out the way this election is. Now, the president had said to you earlier, handling the pandemic, one, I do very little differently than I've done. Frightening. Two, I deserve an A plus for the handling of it. Frightening, especially where we are today. We just got our grades. We're failing all across this country. Why not take on a crisis? head on when you say you are a wartime president and the war is against COVID. We have a key player from the Trump re-election team, the messaging man, communications director, Tim Murtaugh. Next, let's get after it. I cannot show you a piece of data or what we look at as a metric for analysis to prove that the pandemic is not getting worse. This goes beyond just raw case counts. You want to look at positivity rate? No good. What's positivity? What it sounds like. How many cases as a percentage come back positive? It's climbing, which undermines the idea of, well, we only have a lot of cases because we test a lot. That would be true if the rate of positivity stayed the same no matter how much you tested, but it doesn't. It increases, which means the testing isn't the problem. The virus is the problem. Hospitalizations, very lagging indicator. Why? First you get sick, you get tested. Then if it gets bad, God forbid, you go into the hospital. Record level hospitalization, 15 states. And despite what we've heard from the president about a cure, we are nowhere near one. And we see that reflected horribly in the mortality rate. Our mortality rate in the United States is worse than Peru, 
Spain, and Ecuador. Only 10 countries on the planet are worse. This is the truth a week out from the election. Yet you have a White House chief of staff saying COVID can't control it. Have we ever heard an administration quit on a problem, let alone in the heat of crisis? Literally trying to hide a second outbreak, this time centered around the vice president, and we wish him and his family well. An outbreak so bad that the VP wasn't at his actual job today, presiding over the Senate for the vote to confirm a new Supreme Court justice, like he did for both Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. But he was essential enough to be on the campaign hustings. Do you see the problem here? Is it obvious enough what's being valued here in the middle of a pandemic? And sure, they took care of all their VIPs at the White House tonight. They had masks on. They knew the optics were horrible otherwise. Not at these rallies. Not at these rallies. Why do the rank and file, who are literally putting their health on the line, not deserve the same messaging that you gave to the fat cats at the White House tonight? So let's see if we can have a conversation. If now is the time, now that you got the judge, now that the numbers are at their worst, will we hear something from the Trump campaign about a plan to help us get through a generational crisis. Campaign communications director, Tim Murtaugh. Welcome to primetime. Saw the judge uh, be sworn in just moments ago by Justice Clarence Thomas, not by the chief justice. Why? Well, obviously there was something about the event, whether it was a health concern or otherwise, he didn't go there. So we'll wait for the installment oath to be given when she's at the court, uh, Justice uh, Amy Coney Barrett. So now that that's done, Will the campaign take on the worst situation with coronavirus that we've had to date? Uh, well, I don't know what you've been paying attention to, Chris, but the president has been taking this problem head on since the very first week of January. That's when the CDC began issuing travel warnings to China, to China and then also screenings at major American airports. And it was by the end of January when the president restricted travel from China, which I would point out again, that is something that we know that Joe Biden would not have done because he called it xenophobic and fear mongering. So if Joe Biden had been president at that time, we know no, that would be we would be in a worse situation today in this country as a result of that. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think there needs to be a greater focus on some of the good news, which I don't think you guys spend a whole lot of time talking about. When the president says we've turned a corner, it's because just recently, in just the last few days, the FDA has approved remdesivir, which is a therapeutic and very effective at treating this. We are this close to having a vaccine which will be distributed in hundreds of millions of doses and the first ones who will receive the, vote, the doses will be the most vulnerable in our community. And if you ask Joe Biden, what would he have done differently from what President Trump did, he doesn't have an answer. He can't point to anything. Mm -hmm. His COVID plan is pretty much word for word exactly what President Trump has been doing okay. over the course of the last nine months. So, Tim, and the approach is different. Tim, President Trump is optimistic. He wants to reopen the country. Right. Joe Biden is the candidate of lockdowns. Right. That's not where we should head as a country. All right. I got you. I, I let you make six points there uh, before I, I cut in. I. You have to close things down when you are left with no other choice because nothing else is being done and cases are out of control. That's called science, okay? We don't have a choice. Nobody wants to shut down. You'd be foolish to have to shut down. Everyone is suffering. The question is, what kind of suffering are you going to preference? 
economic suffering that you can recover from or loss of life. Now, going in reverse order, Biden is no different than Trump. Demonstrably false. And you know this from the last debate. He said no, several that's things. That's not true at all. Tim, I let you speak. What would he have possibly done? I let you speak. Now you do the same or this will be really short. I promise you that. So in the last debate, <laughs> the vice president, the former VP said, I would be doing a lot more of coordinating funds to help the schools do what they need to do to open and businesses need to do to open and to work with those communities. Now, we hear that echoed by Republican and Democratic governors all over this country. The vaccine, you are correct. We will have a vaccine. You will have doses, but not anywhere near close enough for it to be any kind of cure. Remdesivir has been approved for people who are in acute distress. My brother, let me tell you this. I hope you never need it. Not just that you never get COVID, which I hope for you and your family, but that you never need remdesivir because you will be in a state of near pneumonia and you don't want to be there. So the idea that remdesivir is a cure, it is at best a treatment for people who are in extremists. Uh, So that's that. Biden was against the China thing. His campaign says time and time again, he was not against the move. He's about being against how the president spoke about it. Now, what oh, was come the, on. But hold on, you Tim. Don't buy and, that, Tim, and you? here's the question. He said here's it was xenophobic and fear-mongering, Chris, and it took them two months to even address it. Your, he, your network is the one who broke okay. the story about how he had reversed Listen, himself on I, that. I will of give course you, he was against it. I will it. give you that Biden was against it. Now, he says they weren't, but I'll give you the point, and here's why. If you want to hold down Biden for being against that, where the hell has the president been for months of doing nothing additional to help an emerging crisis such that his own chief of staff today Chris, said something I've never heard, Tim, and never of you. We can't that's, control that's the virus. Okay, that, that was a, a long soliloquy here. I just matched your points, brother. Go ahead, your don't own, waste your listen, time. Chris, your own, your, your own brother, the governor of New York, mm-hmm. said that every time he turned to the administration, the federal government was there with everything. That he did he not say that. And, everything and that, that is not what for. happened. Re- yes, he abs- yes, he absolutely no, he did. He said, I went to every the federal time, government. Yes. They and helped he me with things. They brother, did not help with everything. Brother, They're still on. not helping. Go ahead. My brother, what? Listen, Keep talking your brother about predicted your brother. Your brother predicted a ventilator shortage. He said he needed 40,000 ventilators mm. or people would die. That shortage never materialized True. because the president engaged the private sector and the government to create the equipment, the PPE, the gowns, the gloves and the ventilators that we need. And so, listen, Chris, I find it curious. Speaking of your brother, mm. you're going to Please. ask me these self-righteous questions and talk about people taking it seriously. Does this look like a couple of guys who were taking it seriously? You had your brother on for the Cuomo Brothers Comedy Hour, to joking about the size of the Q-tip that you would need for his nose yeah, to get I did. a test. It was funny Does as hell. Does this sound like somebody who was taking it very seriously? Tim, let now, me tell you. the president has done this every Tim, step of the way. Tim, I every got Every step of the way, and he's done everything Tim. that states had asked All right, so for. let's deal with that. That's not true. And you know it, but you decide it to say what you want to say. true. Tim, He sent is, a hospital ship Tim, to New York that, Tim, that they really didn't adequately They didn't use. need it. And the thank God they provided, didn't need it. Tim, listen, there you, you are go. not going to flood the zone on this even show. Even though it was Tim, extra assistance. I'm telling you, I'll cut you off. You're not going to flood the zone on this show. Now, you took your swing. It missed. So now let's discuss. That's the best you got? Is that my <laughs> brother didn't take COVID seriously? Are you kidding yourself? That I made well, fun I mean, with him in a time of such a huge distress. Patients He's into nursing homes. First of all, he never he never sent that? any, and you know that. You know that New York State is forty six no, out of well, fifty. Did, but here's but what you know most of all: I, I you can't he just wrote even a book talk. About leadership, Tim, though, I, thought I know that he means did. Taking responsibility. You, you should read it, brother, and let me tell you why. You won't even talk about the president. 
You want to talk about my brother because you are coming from a place of weakness. You are in the middle of a pandemic. No, and I, want to talk president about, I want to talk about people turning COVID and the coronavirus crisis into a political weapon, which is what CNN does all Your day long. president, what Joe Biden my and the president do. told yeah, people for they, months, Tim, You'll never drown me out, brother. Chris. It's my show and I'm loud as hell, especially when I'm righteous. And I have every ability to be right now. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because the Well, because yes. here's why. Because spin doesn't cut it on this show, pal. And here's why. Look at the numbers. This president has said time and time again, masks don't matter. Time and time again, we're rounding the corner. It's going away. Okay. Any spike that happens so leaves. We've never been in question? worse shape. What? He won't do the testing. So he says, the, go back listen, to school. Chris, he won't help with schools. You are advocating. What you are doing is advocating a complete and total shutdown. The only actual way to prevent any spread of the coronavirus is to have no human interaction whatsoever. Not true. So are you seriously, Not true. Are you seriously advocating Not true. having people being locked in their homes for, what, six months? Not true. 12 months, 18 months? Not true. In China, they welded people's doors shut. Chris. Not us. So is that what you're Doesn't advocating? need to happen. Listen, President Trump, President Trump wants people to be safe. Take precautions. Absolutely. Oh, please. But we cannot Look at his allow rallies. ourselves to be locked back into as the As handsome as Tim again. is, while Joe he talks, Biden, run listen, the video of the rallies today. The health today. problems, every medical, every health expert will tell you. Do what you, I said. Run the video of the rallies today. Another severe economic downturn would cause health problems on its own, mm. above and beyond, unassociated with what the that, coronavirus causes. That is It'll cause health nonsense. anxiety problems in children. That is nonsense. What calls, true. Chris, what where call, I live hey, Tim, in Fairfax Tim, County, listen, Virginia. How many, how many weak points do you want to make before I get in? Now, in terms of anxiety and ancillary health effects that you're we're seeing from people. You're not interested in having an actual conversation. Well, Tim, you're not you're letting not. me talk. I you're let not. you talk. You don't let me speak. Come on now. You can do better yeah, than this. I've seen you before. Listen, no, no this way. Is not, this I'll is send not, you the word no, count. This is not an I'll, interview, Chris. I'll send you the word count. I'll send you the word count. I'm not trying to lecture. I'm trying to rebut what you put out there. You're the one who lectured me with the picture of my brother and I, which was very funny. And at a time that the country was hurting. I don't think it was that funny. And the country needed comfort. Oh, I don't know that you're a good judge of humor because you think what the president is saying at these rallies is funny. I've seen you laugh about it. And he's telling people to mock the fact that they're putting their own health at risk time and again. This was today, brother. Like, in the listen, middle of a right, pandemic, a second, Chris. in the middle me, of a pandemic, can, can they have no masks on. He never said anything here? different. You, He's so putting these about, people listen, in these positions about, and he has no plan to do anything better. Following, Chris? No, I'm about a president are, are you, sending the right message. Okay. I'm about a president then sending why, the right why, message and giving states what they need to fight a pandemic. Because I did the wrong thing. Why did you get reprimanded by your own building for failing to wear a mask after having the wrong thing Why won't the president adjust his messaging? quarantine and went to the I never broke quarantine. Everyone knows you broke. You, I never you broke quarantine. You deny that I that never, happened. Absolutely, and 100%. And then you came home and you pretended to rise up from your basement like Lazarus, even though you had Listen, already broken you quarantine you mock my getting you sick. COVID positive. You want to mock my getting sick? You can. I'm not mocking you, you getting sick. Of course sick. you are. I'm pointing of out that you, you broke are. quarantine and went I out never to your place at the Hamptons while you were COVID And you positive. know it. I never did. And now did. you're going to lecture me about I'm not you. what rules? Look, you want wow. me to be the that story. Like you want my brother to be the story because you can't handle Trump. You're the, the numbers were supposed to disappear. I have just told you what the president's accomplishments on this what? are. The, what? The, president the, the travel ban? This from the very beginning. Then All of this, remember, why are we this in is such a novel shape? virus, Chris. Why are we in such this bad shape? This had never been seen. The testing regime had to be created from nothing, and now we lead the world in testing. You do the not lead the world in testing. Partnership on this. You do not the lead the world in the testing, and the, the president says Absolutely. testing is the, the problem. The development of the therapeutics. And the we are president says testing is the problem. And Joe Biden is trying to scare people away from 
from taking the vaccine, Chris. That is politically no, reckless. No, he isn't. He's playing politics he with people's He said, I won't trust Trump. Trump. Every time he talks about the vaccine, he downplays it and discourages people from because taking it. Because the that president is, is grossly when says, exaggerating when it will be ready. Go. That is absolutely politicizing a vaccine. The that president will save millions says of lives we are around the corner from a cure, and that is and a material is deception. It's a material it deception. Is. You cannot defend that. Both Joe Biden I don't have and to defend Harris it. have politicized the entire This is about your campaign and what the president has said why to do. You, why, go ahead. Well, I missed that last part because you were shouting. This is about. <laughs> I'm Joe shouting. Biden and Kamala this Harris, is about every, the president's every step campaign. Of the way, Every step of the way. Yeah. And we reserve the right to talk about our opponent in this race from time to time. You should. I'm letting you. Why do you think I had you on? Your good looks? That's what I'm attempting to do. Joe (laughs) Biden, every step of this way, unburdened, by the way, unburdened by the responsibility of leadership, has done nothing from the very beginning except politicize this. He did it with the, the virus itself. And what has the president done, Tim? The vaccine. What has the president very, done? I have he held a super... Sp- down the list he held, no, because the list the is... stopping the, the, of travel the, from China the, in January, that was very which Joe months Biden ago. would not have done. The country and then is the in the worst shape it's been. unprecedented ramping up of the private sector and the federal it government. It is not unprecedented. He found one company in Maine to do PPE. Tim, look. I gave you a chance to put your arguments the, out listen, there into that the ether. Is absolutely absurd. We'll let people do the, the fact the check for themselves. The involvement using the Defense Production Act to involve yeah. the private sector. The, 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 when, these what did he use that for? Miracle themselves where, where did he, how did he use that to scale up testing? Shortage, how did he use it to help the shortage, all these states? The shortage, Tim, this, Tim look, this, I hear your arguments. The, if, look, you, if you want to be a Joe Biden surrogate, I'm sure there's still hiring over there. You guys can play that game. You can take a shot at my brother. You missed your chance. You can take a shot at me. You could have fit right in at the debate. You could have had another podium on stage and won the debate. Tim, listen, listen, listen. I respect your efforts because that's the game. You want to go at Andrew, his legacy will stand for itself. His action will be judged at the ballot box. You want to come at me, I, suspect I will own right. any mistake I ever make because I'm not this president and I'm not in power. But I'll tell you what, brother, in seven days, we'll see whether people think he did the right job on this pandemic based on what you named from many months ago. We'll see. Tim Murtaugh, believe it or not, you'll be welcome back. You know why? Because here, we'll, Thanks, talk, we'll talk the talk. Yep. You'll be welcome was vigorous, no matter how you that. play it. Take care, Tim Murtaugh. Thanks. You too. Why do I smile? Because I understand what's going on. This is an obvious game. You're a week out and this is a point of desperation. I'm not going to let people flood the zone on this show with things. I'll step right on them in the moment. Why? Because that's fairness. Fairness is you don't get to flood a zone with things that aren't true. You want to make fun of my brother? Go ahead. You want to make fun of me? Go ahead. You want to ask me about what I did wrong and did right? I'll talk to you about it. Why? I have no interest in the dishonesty. But this campaign does because they have the worst numbers with this pandemic that we have seen. And their only choice of a plan, the only thing he prepared to tell you tonight was a picture of me and my brother. And I don't care what anybody says. You know it. That Q-tip was funny and funny (laughs) at a time that we needed it. But we'll be right back with more analysis on where this campaign is headed tonight. The campaign is in the last week. They're throwing out all the straw men, making it personal. You just had the head of the campaign for Trump, the director of communications. He didn't offer a single thing that the president is going to do now to deal with the pandemic. Why? They got nothing. But is the pandemic going to be enough? Let's get the state of play with the Wizard of Odds, Harry Enten, right now. What can we tell about where we are a week out 
uh, versus, I don't know, 2016 or point-to-point analysis? Yeah, I mean, look, it's pretty simple, Chris, and that is that Joe Biden, at least in the national polls, holds a significant lead right now, right? He's up by nine points. Clinton's lead at this point and shrunk to four points. And more than that, mm-hmm. Biden is over 50 percent. Clinton wasn't anywhere close to that. And that, of course, means that in this year, What Trump needs to do is not just win over the undecided voters. He has to take support away from Biden. And this lead so far has been so steady, Chris, steady, steady, steady. So it's going to be tough for him to do. The X factor here is how big does the pandemic play? They did not have anything like this, thank God, in 2016 on top of it. This was about Hillary's emails and, you know, who's liked less. You now have a major objective crisis. How big an X factor? I mean, it's a huge X factor. I mean, it's the biggest issue. It's been listed as the most important problem, according to Gallup, the last four or five months. And in every single poll that I have seen, who, when voters are asked who is better mm. to handle the pandemic, it's former Vice President Joe Biden. It's just a very difficult obstacle for Trump to overcome in the final seven days. Brother, I appreciate it. Be well. Thank you for your patience. And thank you for watching CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts right now. Whoa, that was fast. How are you? I'm very sensitive to timing. <laughs> you know what I'm going to talk to you about, right? Um, yeah, I have a good guess. I don't, why do you bother? I can't. It's why the, do, you, why the, do you even bother? The nature of the show is confrontation of what is relevant. No, it's the nature of, of you. It, but I sat there and I was like, I don't hear anything. I'm not getting anything. This guy's lying. He's like throwing out he things. Wasn't, he wasn't the, lying necessarily. Uh, yeah, he, he, was he was misleading with a lot of information. I That's a lie. Misleading lie. and lies are the same thing. Nah, not always. Yes, that was a. Okay, well, I, you say misleading, I say lying. I know, but I not don't understand. The same thing. Like, but but I, I, from as a, I'm sitting, I'm watching you as I'm getting ready. As a viewer, I'm not getting anything out of that. If there was someone you could bring on from the administration who would sit and have a conversation and present points and counterpoints. This is just accusations and, um, uh, and name calling and making fun of people. It is, it is desperation. Maybe, okay, maybe that's what you're trying to show the audience. That's now you're starting Maybe that's to what you're get. trying to show an audience. You but have the worst numbers in this pandemic that we've had since the beginning. But this how much more do you does, need to show? This guy does, obviously a lot, Don. Um, the country clearly <laughs> is not aware of what we're dealing with. And as a result of that, and the messaging from this White House, you bring on somebody whose one gift is polished messaging. That's what Murtaugh is. He was brought in for this purpose. That's not polished messaging. He had nothing to offer the American people about what this president's going to do on the pandemic than what he did with China. Remdesivir, which I'm telling you, God forbid you ever need it. It ain't no cure. I'll tell you the that The biggest right now. example of what this president is going to do with... And a picture with, of my brother's big nose. Well, what, listen, that's a whole other thing. We've had a discussion about that. But that aside, the, the picture of what this president is going to do about the pandemic was evident. It was on display tonight. Okay? So, the, hang on. The first person walks out maskless. The first lady of the United States. Amy Coney Barrett walks out maskless. Her husband, maskless. The Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, maskless. The president, maskless. What does that say? They're not trying to set or show an example for the rest of the country. You don't really need to do anything and say, look, tonight, 
there's a potential super spreader event at the White House. The president doesn't have a mask. The first lady doesn't have a mask. What kind of example does that set for the country? And therefore, you could forego that argument that you had with that person, I don't even know his name, that did nothing for the viewer. That's just me. I was, I was frustrated because I'm sitting there watching on some screens the video of the White House and then you and him have an argument. I'm like, there's a picture of what he cares about. He doesn't care. And when you said put up the picture of the his rallies, no masks, very few masks, right. that no was today. social distancing. That was so from today. So what is that? What is does he care about the people who his but I own think people? It, who I think it's him? really important when the directions, the comms director for a campaign, the director of communications has no offering of a plan of what a campaign is going to do about a crisis that is at its worst right now. Exactly. And I also think that, look, a lot of this is dispositional. I fight um, when people say things that <laughs> I know you uh, fight aren't with me true all the time. <laughs> or that are disruptive <laughs> to people's believing. Because, look, as you and I both know, a lot of people believe what Tim Murtaugh was saying tonight. And no, they don't. The, uh, I'm <laughs> Don, a <laughs> lot of people believe, believe what Tim Murtaugh no, was they saying want to believe. They, they believe. Here's what they like. They like the confrontation. They like, oh, we got Chris Cuomo. Oh, I can't stand him. Do they believe it? No, they don't actually believe it. They know better. People are smarter than that. They actually They know. believe the president has done what he could do. No, That they the don't. China move was huge. No, that he saved don't. a lot of lives. No, And that he's don't. way ahead on the vaccine than when the Democrats would have been. No, they don't. People know in their hearts. They know better. They know better. Well, so they, they just, just tell pollsters differently than they believe in their of heart. Of course. Of course. They know better. How could you not know better? Come on. Come on. Adult people, logical people, they know better. I'm telling you, the reason this president's numbers are as solid as they are mm. is that people believe what they're told. People by believe him what they and want. People no, like no, no. Murtaugh. It's because they want it to be that way. There is no way in hell that people believe that. There is no way in hell that people actually believe that it was a full China ban. They don't believe it. They are pretending they believe it. They, they maybe want to believe it, but deep in their hearts, they know it isn't true. You know when things aren't true. You know when you want to believe. You know when you need to believe in things. But you know deep in your heart that, well, it's actually not Don, true. I'm just going to allow that. Don, let me educate you to a fact, okay? Mm -hmm. You live in a country, uh, as an example of a highly educated, a uh, guy who has made it against significant odds. Oh, and that, that is impressive. You live in a country where many, many people believe mm -hmm. that the earth is just a couple of thousand years old. And it's flat. Um, no, but <laughs> that creationism uh, is more viable in operative theory uh, than yeah. evolution. Uh, that QAnon is a real thing. Yeah. Uh, that there are conspiracies afoot and that there's all these, there's a lot of stuff that people believe in this country. And I'm not mm. condescending. I'm not looking down. I'm saying it's about information and mm. it's about the testing of information. And I honestly believe, otherwise I wouldn't do it. I don't need the aggravation. I was ahead of the game tonight because I knew what he was going to do yeah. because I know what he has and what he doesn't have. Yeah. If the only picture that you can present this audience about what's going to happen is one of me and my brother, you got trouble yeah. because we have way bigger problems than how you feel about a TV segment. Yeah. And it tells you something about where we are one week out with the pandemic crushing us like it never has before. And the only thing he prepared 
was a picture of me and Andrew. Yeah. I'm telling you, I think that it is instructive of the moment. Well, thank you for proving my point, because that shows that he doesn't believe it. He just wants to believe it. and He wants other people to believe it. But I don't people I don't I know people don't believe that people need to delude themselves in these things, but they don't believe it. And that's 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 my final answer. I got to go. I accept it. And I love you. <laughs> you as well. I'll see you soon. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.